And we're back for another week on the National Fire Radio Podcast. I'm not going to take up too much of your time, but this week, the week of May 22nd, 2023, it's Terry's birthday. My wife misses National Fire Radio. She'll probably hate that I even said that, but she doesn't listen to this anyway. So uh, I'm taking that day and enjoying time with her. She deserves it. She puts up with all my crap, all my travel, and all the podcasts we do and everything else in between. So I am spending the day with her, rightfully so. But this week is all new uh, episodes with fantastic guests, including a new episode from Pip from The Size Up. So hang on this week. We appreciate the support. Like, share, subscribe on the channels in which you listen. We appreciate the support, and as you fill out, uh, you know, subscribe or share or leave some comments, it helps us in the ratings, and of course, ratings help push us up the line and get more followers and listeners, and we appreciate all of that, and that's how we build the community. So, we appreciate you being here with us. Please give my sponsors and the people that trust us with their message a few minutes of your time before we roll into the daily episode. Thanks for tuning in. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Hey guys, before we start the podcast, real quick, I want to mention the Gone to Texas Fire Forum and Expo being held in Arlington, Texas on June 9th and 10th. Myself, I'm going to be emceeing the event for two days with nationally renowned speakers that will be there for the weekend. Mo Davis, Clyde Gordon, Rick George, Mickey Farrell, Jacob Johnson, Dennis Riley, and so on. The list goes on and on. I was there last year, helped emcee the event last year. It is a growing conference in an incredible venue globe life field which is home to the texas rangers in arlington texas right in the entertainment district right at the pbr bar which we're going to have a social after the first night i'm telling you right now there's no other venue like this the room actually overlooks the field you get to walk the stadium it is such a cool venue arlington texas june 9th and 10th check them out go on to texasfireforum.com or go to facebook and look them up there too go on the texas fire forum where you can buy your tickets get great hotel rates if anybody's asking you where you're going this summer you tell them go on to texas this episode's brought to you by taylor's tins taylor and his crew at taylor's tins have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017 with over 200,000 tins in the market they are a leader in the helmet front space Custom design, one-offs to department orders. They can turn them around within 24 to 48 hours. Customer service is what they pride themselves on, and they provide nothing but top-shelf product and service to their customers. Check them out at taylorstins.com and check out their full line of product offering. They've always been a very strong supporter since day one with the National Fire Radio podcast and platform, and Taylor and his crew have become dear friends of ours, and we appreciate the support. And at checkout, for a little extra bonus, use coupon code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for a discount on your order. Exclusions do apply. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com for the latest and greatest offerings from Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. Hey, everybody. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Welcome back to the podcast today. Jeremy Mathis. This is a guy that I have met many times now over the years. Uh, our connection has been through conferences. Uh, he works as the director of training for Fast Rescue Solutions. 24 years in the fire service, 19 with Covington, Georgia, which is right outside the metro Atlanta area. Jeremy, not only do you have a fantastic name, but we're brothers, man, and I appreciate you being here today. Thanks for joining me today. Appreciate it. I'm grateful for the opportunity. You know, I told you many times before, uh, I consider myself supporting Cat. Having the opportunity to do something like this is a little bit of a new ground for me, but I'm looking forward to having a good conversation and having fun doing it. You know what? I love new ground. It's good because you know what that does? It makes us grow. And, um, you know, a lot of people get very comfortable in where they are, but you're not a guy that, that does comfort well, I can tell from afar, meaning that you put yourself out there, man. Um, I think that, you know, from what I've learned about you, you're, you're soft-spoken in some regard, yet when you do speak, it's very powerful um, and you have certainly a good message to share. And I've seen that firsthand, whether it's on the training grounds or in a conference um, at, at uh, different shows that we've been to. Or you and I just did a, a brief interview the other day at FDIC uh, for five, six minutes just on stage, just talking about you 
and a little bit about your dealings with Fast Rescue Solutions, which we're going to talk about down the road, um, and so on, because we're doing some projects for them, and we do some nice partnership and collaboration stuff together, and it was just nice to hear a little bit about your story, but that's why I really wanted to explore it further today on the podcast, um, because I'm intrigued by you, man. Um, I think you bring a lot to the table. Well, thank you very much again. Uh, <laughs> it- Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't, don't worry about me. You go. So, no, I just think it's a, it's an awesome opportunity. Like I said, you and the podcast and the things that you're doing and the people that you're putting out there for the fire service that have the opportunity to learn from it's, it's been a pleasure listening to it and now just to have this opportunity. So sure. Well, you have an open invitation anytime and I'm excited about the conversation today. So let's hop into it, man. A bunch of things about you. Uh, I'd love to start from the beginning, though. 24 years in the fire service, 19 into your career spot. You're currently a captain with the Covington, Georgia Fire Department. Um, Talk to me a little bit about your upbringing, how you found the fire service, and where it all began. So I started off as a volunteer firefighter for Newton County, which is the county versus Covington is the the county seat. Um, uh, One of the guys that I was going to church with, I was as an 18 year old kid, came up to me and said, hey, what are you doing Tuesday night? And I said, I don't know. I was working some odd and end job that 18 year olds usually do. And uh, he invited me over and the very first night they're doing hose evolutions and put me in gear and gave me the opportunity to get used to the pack and familiar with it. Next thing you know. I'm crawling through the bay. I'm going through the, you know, restricted passages and things that they have set up. And everyone is being encouraging and everyone is being, you know, extremely helpful through the process of Mm. somebody who just put gear on for the first time. And I fell in love with the fire service that night. And I knew, I knew that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. It took me a couple of years to get to it. Uh, At that time, it was very difficult to get into the fire service in the Metro Atlanta area. Uh, now it seems to be a little different. We're we're searching for candidates, but then it was a process. And, you know, those guys who, who you know, basically invested into me those that very first night even, you know, pushed me and continued to encourage me until I was finally able to become a city of Covenant firefighter. That's pretty wild, man. When you when you think about that, you know, you you walk in the door to you get an invitation to walk into a strange place that you know nothing about. And then there's just nothing but encouragement from the second you walk through that door. I don't know how many people actually have that type of experience, and I hope most do. I'm afraid most don't. Um, But I will say this, man, that is a fantastic way to bridge into the fire service because how do you not fall in love with something like that? Like when the environment is that good, that warm, that embracing, right, where we are picking one another up and you have this instant feel of family and support, I mean, how do you, how do you not fall in love with it? Exactly right. And I may have had a little bit of an advantage over somebody else. Um, turns out a lot of the members of the church that I was attending at the time were already uh, members of the department as well. So, so there was a little bit of that, but they never expected me to show up that Tuesday night other than the one guy that, that invited me in. So it may be a little bit of an advantage, but at the same time, when I saw newer people come in that did not have that connection, the support was there. Yeah. The the brotherhood was alive and well within that organization. You know, I, the one thing that really impresses me, and I'm, I'm glad it came up, and I knew it, it, I'm not surprised it did because I know how important that is, but it is faith, and it is it is religion to you, is very important to you and your family, no? Uh, very much so. And it's one of the things that we try to instill in our kids and to make sure that, you know, we are doing the right thing by that and that uh, – that we are bringing them up in the way that they should go. Yeah. I Well, there's there's something very much to be said for that. And I, I want to maybe explore that just a little bit because I think that that type of uh, focus in life sometimes put you or will put you on a very good path. And, and I, I say that when it comes to morals, ethics, values, things that we need in the fire service, you know, um, just all of that across the board. I think when you when you have a faith based life, whether it's practicing and going to church every Sunday or you have some type of belief or faith in something greater or better or, or what have you, whatever your belief is. I think when you have something of faith in your life, it leads to a better product that you can deliver to people i firmly believe that myself sure you're intentional i like that i really like that that's that's 
talk about that a little bit. What do you mean by that? Break that down. Uh, everything you do, there's a reason behind it. So you're, you intentionally do things the right way. Um, you're just, maybe it's the way you're brought up. Maybe it's the belief that you have. But by being intentional, you're sincere, you're, you're relatable, uh, you're able to express uh, whatever you're speaking about in a wholesome way. Yeah. No agenda, no, uh, no, other, nothing else packed on with a, with a way to, to want to get more or, or, or take advantage of. It is really authentic, right? I mean, is that, that's really what you're saying. It's when you're intentional, you're authentic because your delivery is exactly what you want it to be without any expectation of return, right? 100%. Yes. Yeah. That's cool, man. And that, thank you for sharing that because that is quite a, a bridge that I think a lot of people are missing. I think faith is super important. I'm not sitting here standing on my on a soapbox screaming religion, but I, what I am saying, though, is I think faith in something more than yourself is important. And whatever that looks like for the individual, make sure that it's intentional. I like, dude, I, Jeremy, I like that a lot, man. Thank you for sharing that. Let's talk about family then. I mean, religion and faith, you talked about raising your children that way. I mean, it's important to you. It's very important to you and your wife. Um, you and I were chatting before we hit the record button, man, how important family is for you. So family's huge. Uh, you know, everything that I do is to try to, to make sure that they're taken care of, obviously, and to show them that by having a purpose, you know, that uh, you can be successful in many different ways. Success doesn't mean that you're going to get rich. It doesn't mean that you're going to have all of the things that you want. But if you have a life where you have people that care about you and you care about them, that's success. Um, you know, my wife and I, uh, prior to us meeting, we, we've gone through things in personal lives and, and that many people often do. But when we came together and we brought our families together, we have a blended family. Uh, we were discussing it earlier. There's six girls in the house. So <laughs> that's, that's often quite fun and, and challenging at the same time. hundred um, percent. I can only imagine. So, yeah. And, the, and there's a very various ranges there. Uh, 22 years old. She's often married and nursing and doing her own thing. We have uh, one that we just moved back from her freshman year of college. One that's graduating next week. 14 year old twins and a 12 year old. And every one of them are extremely busy and keep us going. Mm. And it's fun. It's challenging. But it's what's what's most rewarding is watching them grow into the people that they're becoming. And just being able to have a little bit of influence oh, 100%, on, on them is, is it's been very rewarding and very, very fun. Are you, um, you let your kids fall. Do you let them fall down? Do you let them scrape their knee? I think I, you have to, I agree. you have to, mm. you absolutely have to. And you, it hurts you as much as it hurts them, oh, yeah. but how else can they learn? I mean, obviously you know, we've all fallen in our lives and how do you learn and grow from it? And what we said earlier, you know, adversity is, is how you can grow is by being uncomfortable by experiencing those types of things. I love that. I, it, it's, that's strong, man. And I, I, I firmly agree with you um, wholeheartedly in that regard. Like it's important to fall and it's important to make some mistakes because you need to learn from that. And, um, you know, and I think that's where too, through parenting and through, um, you know, beliefs, faith, um, you know, you, you, you hope and pray that you have guided them with the rights and wrongs of life and teaching them where they need to, stand and, and how to respond and act and form opinions based upon how you raise them. And I think that that is the most important part of parenting is, is letting your kids make those mistakes, yet you know that you laid a foundation for them from which they can learn from them. Exactly right. Yeah, I love that. So, okay, so family's super important. You got six women in your house plus your wife. That's seven, correct? Correct. That's correct. God you're a saint, man. I got, uh, I, my home right now is my wife and two girls. I have 15 and 16 at home, freshman and sophomore in high school. And then my two older kids, I have a, a 27 year old daughter and a 29 year old son that are my stepkids, but they've been mine since they were five and six. So I consider them my kids, you know, um, sure. raised them for a very long time. And, and so on. they've both moved out and they both have successful careers and doing very well. And then my two younger guys keep me on my toes, man. I couldn't imagine 
could not imagine that many kids under my roof and all being women. I would, uh, I would live in the shed. I think, I think I would move out oh. to the backyard. So I really enjoy cutting grass. <laughs> I love that. That's it. You know what? Oh my God. Yes. The hour it takes me. I love it as well, man. I absolutely, it was like you unplug and nobody can talk to you. Nobody can bother you. I love that, man. I enjoy, I enjoy cutting the grass. That's freaking hilarious. I love that. So, okay. So that's fun. But let me ask you that because with, with your crazy schedule, and I want to get back on the conversation with the fire service too, obviously, and, and your career and all of that, but you travel a lot. You have a lot going on, right? How do you juggle? I don't. I don't ask people about balance because I don't believe there is a balance, right? It's always a give and take in life and it's prioritizing the important things, right? And that really needs to get the attention. But how do you do that? How do you prioritize the needs in your life when you have so many people depending on you and and then you have to also follow through on what you need selfishly, which is a good thing because if you're not happy and satisfied, you'll never be able to provide or be satisfied for the others in your life. So how do you find this give and take that we all struggle with? So the support system is huge. And my wife, Christy, she fully 100% supports what I'm doing. And she's the one who's here when I am on the road and doing those things and making sure the kids get to where they need to go. Um, we have awesome set of grandparents as well that help out when she's unable to be mm. here, there, or everywhere. And and I try to really plan the events that I go to. We have a huge support system with FAST as well that goes out, the different instructors, the different trainers that are going out and doing the things that are able to take some of that burden away from me as far as having to go everywhere. Same right. as with um, Eric, same as with you know, the other guys that are going out and traveling, but that support system is, is the most important thing. We have to make sure that they're taken care of. And in turn, they take care of us. And I could not do it without my wife and without grandparents and without those things. So, How do we build these know, support systems at home? What are your, what are your, what are your ideas on that? Because I know, I know I have some opinions on that because I know so many people struggle and don't have that support system that they need. And I can guarantee you there's going to be people listening to this episode that are like, well, that's great. Cause he's got a good wife and that's great. Cause he's got good kids. Like, but it takes work, right? Like how do you develop what are important things in order to get that support system at home that actually is valuable to you and, and works. Sure. It's conversations mm. and they have to, they have to know, Hey, look, I realize I'm gone and I'm busy, but this is fulfilling. This is, you know, it allows us to be able to do this. And, and like you said, it is that give and take um, the opportunities that I've been given um, by being able to be a part of fast, by being able to be on shift every third day have, have been immeasurable. And so having conversations and, and, true authentic conversations saying that, you know, this is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing that. Um, it's, it's so important. And there's times then you got to be quiet and listen to their part of the conversation. And there may be an event when I have to call up and say, Hey, I, I can't make that one because you know, this is going on with the house and you know, the girls have this going on or Christy has this going on. We need to make sure that, that we are also being open to what they're saying and not just expressing, you know, what's important to us. I couldn't agree with you more. And I listen, I'm not very good at it. I've gotten much, much better at it. Um, but I can say firsthand that I was not good at this and, and didn't understand. It was always take, take, take. And, um, you know, I thought I gave, but it was a lot of take. And it took me... Uh, it took me time to really figure out what works and what doesn't work. And there are adverse effects of, of taking all the time. And, um, you know, your home can fall apart. And uh, not that mine did, but it could have, I'm sure, if I kept sure. taking, taking, and taking. And sometimes when you're building something or you're involved with something new and the excitement's there, you know, you take for granted. That was always the thing with me and what I've come to realize is you typically take for granted the people around you that are your biggest support network. You take them for granted. Yes, completely. Yeah. So it's powerful, though. Communication's huge. We need to communicate. We need to talk. We need to be honest. We need to be willing to not focus on ourselves 100% of the time. I mean, that's, you know, these are things that are hard for some people, you know, where everybody wants to be involved with everything and everybody wants to do everything. And yet, you know, 
your own personal life can can struggle or or have hiccups because of that. And, um, you know, so I agree with you, man. A support system at home is just so important. It allows us to do what we do. All right, grab the sip of coffee. What does that look like for the firehouse then? As a boss, as a captain of an engine company, I mean, do you bring a lot of these philosophies and ideas and, and lessons learned at home and juggling and balancing and finding this, you know, this way, the give and take? Does that, does that translate to the firehouse? Certainly does. And it, I know that I'm only as good as the, the group of firefighters that I work with. And I have to make sure that I'm taking care of them as much as I'm allowing them to take care of me. Uh, I could come in there and try to be uh, the forceful, know-it-all captain who is telling them every move to make. Or I could, just like we talked with our kids, I could sit back and let them make some decisions and let them fall in a controlled situation so that they can learn on the next time hey we're going to do this that's where training comes in that's where uh, giving them the lead on a run that they've been on many times before so all right this one's yours you know make the decisions we're going to do what you want to do on this one giving them that opportunity to to be successful Mm -hmm. or to learn Uh, i think that's very important as well Um, how do you get your how do you get your people to subscribe to that like where, like how do they, they got to know where you're coming from, right? Like I think what's important too is laying that foundation so that the guys that are all riding together, the guys on shift, the guys in the same company, whatever it looks like in your department, right? You got to be willing to open the door a little bit to let them in so they understand where you're coming from. They understand what makes you tick, right? I mean, that's all important, no? Sure. And, and I tell them up front, I don't have all the answers mm. and I'm not going to pretend to. Um, if you have a better idea, if you've seen this before, um, uh, my driver, he's been on the department nearly as long as I have, and he, he's chosen to stay in that role. So he's probably one of the best people we have at operating that apparatus. Mm. So I'm not going to question his ability to pump that truck. You know, if something comes up, if there's something new, then sure, I'll, we'll have a discussion about it, but I would be foolish to sit there and think that i know more about that truck that he's been driving for the last 16 17 years than he does um i've i had a role where i did that for a period of time but i've since moved on to that and i rely on him fully to to be able to do those things um it takes a confidence in yourself to allow for that though sure sure and and knowing that when we get out there and we train he is teaching the next generation i hear the things he's saying i know what he's saying to be accurate i I know that um he is proficient and excels at doing his job so that's one worry that i don't have to have and by placing that faith in him he's he's going to have my back when it comes to something else i love that i mean that's that that's that you know mutual understanding between and I, i love that relationship between the officer and the senior man You know, and just how there's that, like, informal but formal, you know, relationship they have with a give and take. I love that. But I I love a boss that allows their people to be individuals and yet respect them to do the job when the job needs to be done in the way it needs to be done. And we don't – we lack that, I think, a lot with leaders because we don't have a lot of leaders – or I shouldn't say that. We we have leaders in the fire service that lack their own confidence – an awareness about themselves to allow others to work on their behalf. And, um, and so, you know, maybe go down that road a little bit and educate me a little bit about how you deal with that. Uh, So there's always frustrations that you're going to face, whether it be for the shift for the department, for the fire service as a whole. But one of the things you have to do when you face those frustrations, is you got to be strong enough to let go and wise enough to wait for what you deserve. Is, Is everything a battle? Do you have to make everything, uh, you know, a fight? No. Some things just like, eh, okay, we'll let that one slide because if we let this situation go, then we're going to be able to be uh, ready when the next one comes around and we'll be able to, to impact on that a little better, if that makes sense. I think I just rambled a little bit there. No, but... I, I like that a lot. I'd love to unpack that a little bit. I think it's, I, I tried to write down the quote that you just said. It's, it's I think it was strong enough to battle, but – strong enough to let it slide or I forget. It's 
So be strong enough to let go and wise enough to wait for what you deserve. Ah, perfect. Said much better than myself, my man. I'm trying to, I'm trying to catch up. I'm trying to stay up with you here. You know, I'm trying to write that down. That's a very good line. Uh, Say it one more time for me. One more time. So be strong enough to let go and wise enough to wait for what you deserve. So patience, patience. Exactly. Nobody has that anymore. It's, it's tough stuff remember six kids six girls in the house, so. <laughs> that's not fair man you you got you got real world experience with patience i'm uh, sure every single yeah. day uh you as, learn it for sure uh, you certainly do but how important is patience i mean nobody has patience anymore nobody's in it for a long game everybody wants this immediacy of life talk to me about patience in your world like when you're a leader you're working on behalf of your people and your people will stumble. Your people will fall and you need to pick them back up. And a lot of times it takes patience to work with them, to get them to where and what you want them to be. Certainly does. Um, you know, you can look at that a few different ways. The fire service as a whole is impatient. Now yes. you have, you have guys who come in and they're, they're jumping from, job to job to job chasing a dollar chasing this opportunity chasing this and if you're bettering your situation i'll never fault somebody for that if you can better your situation then by all means you should do that um i'm thinking back as as a young firefighter i thought you know i'm working for covington which is a great organization and and it's taken care of my family for nearly 20 years but I've looked at it and I was like, I could have gone here and been a firefighter at this department, or I could have done this, or I could have done that. But now I look across the bay, across the front pad of, of my station, and I can see the school where my kids go. Yeah. And and so there's there's advantages to me being patient and understanding that, you know, Covington's not a bad place to work at all because I get these benefits that I wouldn't get if I went somewhere else for this department or that department. And unpacking that as far as the firefighters are concerned, um, showing them the benefits are there. Hey, look at what I have done in my career. Not saying that I'm anyone important, not saying that anything um, is special, but look at what I've had the opportunity to do. You know, I've, I've been able to be extremely successful here at Covington. My family's provided for. Uh, we don't want for anything. There may be, you know, some luxuries of life that we may never have i won't have you know a third beach home or something like that but but the reality is i've provided for my family for 20 years and the patience that we can instill in those younger firefighters you can have a really good career if you if you just wait a little bit there's a lot to that man uh there is so much to that i i think um you know everybody wants to be a gangster today i mean you know take take all the other stuff like you said like you can never fault anybody for trying to better themselves and if it's if it means that it's better quality of life more money whatever their needs are if they find somewhere else to go hey you know what if you're trying to make yourself better make your family better better commute more time at home like whatever it is that's great you know better yourself that's fine but the patience of the job, whether volunteer career, right, even in the volunteer house, right, where patience is even probably more so required because it's even, you know, less of the the chances of probably going to work. Maybe not, but, you know, I'm just speaking off the, off the cuff here. But, you know, patience is super, super important. And, you know, we have so many people trying to be everything so fast. And I, I, we're losing we're losing all the people in the middle because we don't have any middlemen anymore. We go from Proby to the saltiest guy in, in two years now. Right. And we're, we're losing, we're, we're losing all those important milestones and stepping stones that we need in a 25 year fire service career in the, maybe, you know, in the career sector, guys go up to 40 years, but, and then in the volunteer service, a lot of guys, 50, 60, 70 years, you're right. They, they, they age out because they love it so much. It's a part of their fabric and lifestyle. Right. So it's like, why are we skipping all the middle parts? That's where the stories are made. That's where the learning comes from. That's where we make mistakes and want to get better from them. Why are we skipping them? Instant gratification. That's mm. what everybody wants. That's yeah. what everybody wants these days. Yeah. I, I, I think you're 100% right. And, um, you know, and I, I, we, we all see it. 
And I, I just want to just stress how important it is to slow down and look around, right? Ferris Bueller, you know, if you don't stop and, and take a look around, you'll, you're going to miss it, right? Like, I, I know I just butchered that quote, but it's, it's very... It's funny you should say that. Yeah. I watched that yesterday. After did you? So, that's, so do I you, did. Can you say the quote without me butchering it? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think that I could. Put I'll... you on the spot there. But yeah. you know what I'm saying, though? It's like, you know, Ferris Bueller took a day off from school again to enjoy life. You know, he stopped and looked around, right? It's this rat race of what we all know are day in, day out. And sometimes we got to check out and just look around. And I think we need to do that on the fire ground. We need to do that on the in the fire service. We need to take a half step back or take a deep breath. Or I did a podcast the other day where they were talking about, you know, put a piece of gum in your mouth before you talk on a radio, right? Like it just, it resets you to just take a half a second to look around or refocus. And I think we need that more than ever. And let's not rush the process. A hundred percent. Yeah, I agree completely. This episode's brought to you by Teledyne Fleer. Teledyne Fleer is the originator and creator of thermal imaging technology. In 2013, FLIR launched the K-Series camera for the public safety sector, in particular firefighting. They have created cameras over the last 10 years for every position on the fire ground. From tactical to situational, their cameras help us make the right decisions on the fire ground. So check out Teledyne Fleer, check out their product offerings and engage them on their social media and ask them for more information and education in regards to their product. Teledyne Fleer is producing one of the best cameras on the market, and they're a proud sponsor and partner of the National Fire Radio podcast. So go over to www.fleer.com and look up the public safety file, and you'll find the latest offerings from Teledyne Fleer. Yeah. So where did... So as a... As a fireman, you're coming, you, you started in the volunteers and then you come up through Covington, you get promoted to captain. Where did the training hook of it all come in? Were you always from that night, they put you in on the, in SCBA and turnouts and pushed you around the Bay floor learning, you know, how to, how to search in that first night at the volunteer house to coming up through the academies and all that. Like, where did your passion for, uh, furthering your training come from? So, so I think, uh, I think that was probably a huge piece of it, but, uh, I truly believe that if you're not learning, you're dying. Mm. And it, it, so with, with growth, if you want to have a growth mindset, then you have to have a training mindset and doing new things and, and perfecting or, or working to perfect the, the basics and doing those things over and over until it becomes second nature, you have to continually uh, train if you want to be a good firefighter we're not overly busy at covington i wish we ran more calls some days than we do but but the reality is we are a well-trained department because while we're not running calls we are out there drilling and we're doing those things so that when that call comes in we are able to be proficient and at the tasks that we are assigned and do our jobs mm. Yeah, I I love that. I mean, but where does that come from? Like, where 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 did where did you learn that? Like, is that something that was instilled to you as a kid that you always tinkered? You wanted to learn more. You always wanted to better yourself. You always you were the guy that was out there doing you know free throws a hundred a night, like or or swinging the baseball bat you know a hundred times a day. Like, where did where does that come from? So I think part of it may be that um, I'm I'm not a big guy, so. I'd have to find new ways of doing things that worked for me. Uh, I don't have the, you know, the six foot four brute strength that some, some of the other, other mm. firefighters that we have do. So I, I got to find new ways of doing things and find different ways of doing things. And so I think that's part of what it was. All right. So he can do this, but how can I do something similar? Uh, because I'm not the, the great big guy of, of great stature. So I think that's part of it is just finding ways that make it work for me. And then if I can share that knowledge with someone else, then it'll make them better perhaps, or they can find a way of, of changing it just a little bit so it fits them. And I really think that um, moving into a, a little bit of other train of thought, I really think that that's how the Fast Rescue Solutions and, and FAST came to play for me. It was thinking of a difficult task and making it easier. 
making it better. Um, and that's kind of, I guess, where I align with the train of thought that Eric Allen created with that. Well, go down that road. Let's talk about that because, you know, it's not just a product. I mean, it's the fast board, obviously, which is revolutionary and victim and firefighter removal for sure. But it's also this culture that you guys are creating. This um, this real, uh, you used the word organic earlier when we were talking about this. You know, it's this, uh, it's almost like this organic movement and and culture that you guys are super protective of that surrounds what you do. And it's not just a product, but it's like a mission. Talk to me about how that all came about, how you got involved, what it was about Fast that brought you in and, 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 and really sunk its teeth into you. Or maybe you sunk its teeth into Fast. Okay. Um, so my department was hosting an extrication conference. And I met with Steve Jason and Matt Piper. And they were already Fast reps. They were working with Eric and doing different things. And I was their liaison for the week that they were here and, you know, worked hard and I was doing things for them throughout that conference and just looking for work. That's one of the things that we pride ourselves on is, you know, don't have idle hands. If you can do something, look for work. If you can help someone else out, do that. Um, and they came to me after the conference, like, Hey, there's nobody really in the Southeast that's, that's doing anything with, with fast. Would you be interested? And at the time, I didn't know what it was. And I went and I looked and I did some research and I I saw the board. I saw some of the videos. I saw what it was all about. I had conversations with them. And I was like, man, this is this is something here. These guys have made a difficult task, like I said, much easier. And I think that it's something that I would like to be a part of. Uh, I think it was three or four months later, I was on a plane to Philadelphia and I went through one of the first train the trainer classes um, that Eric had put on and the rest has been a wild ride that's taken me across the country and we're looking at at expanding out further uh, into Europe and maybe a few other places as far as the training side of it is concerned. Were you looking for something more at that time? Like, you know, were you like, Hey man, I could use a side gig or I, you know, I'm going to start teaching some, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. I mean, it sounds like you already had your foot in the door with training and, and teaching and you were there helping those guys when they came down to your department and stuff. So it sounds like it's, it was in your blood. Right. And, and so on, but were you actively seeking a, a side gig? Like it's become. I, I don't think that I was, mm. I mean, I had other opportunities yeah. and so I just, you know, if, having conversations with with eric and chief mike horst it's like you know i'm not really looking for a a part-time gig but if there's any interest or if there's anything that i can do to help i would like to and then again organically it it started spreading and the ideas and having the opportunity to go to a few places with them what was it really what was it with the conversation with them what was it about them or the mission or the product like what i'd really love to pick your brain on this what was it that you were like yes i'm i'm in on this like what there had to be something that just clicked so you said it earlier it's the culture Mm. of fast it's not the product um the product created the opportunity but the people that are involved the culture that is there is what drew me in Uh, we don't want people to sell a product we want people to show value we want people to um come in and want to be a part of the training that want to share knowledge we we often go when we're doing demonstrations when we're doing these things we we use it as an opportunity to train we show things that are not uh the board itself we teach firefighter cpr we teach dirty drags and carries all part of our demos to say, Hey, if you choose not to do this, we want to leave you with something. And every individual that works for fast has the same mindset. We want to make sure that we're sharing value value with the people that we're talking with for that period of time that they have, because time is finite. You can't get more than that. So we don't want to waste their time. I love that. I'm just making some notes, but culture, it is so addicting isn't it like a like a good culture i just had this conversation last night with a guy we were talking about the firehouse you know where where he is and he's talking about how bad the culture is there and how he just like he's ready to walk away from it 
And I think we've all been a part of an organization, whether it's the fire service, the Cub Scouts, the Lions Club, the Board of Education, whatever it is in your community or or growing up, right? It's you're involved in it. In, and I think we've all experienced bad culture. And then I think a lot of us have had good culture somewhere in our life. How infectious is that, man? Like it is, I just think about it. And it's like when you have an organization that has an effective culture that just, it, it just creeps into every corner of your being and you just want to be there and be a part yes. of it because it's so good. Talk about that. So, so it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> Very well said. Yes. Go down that road. So I absolutely love the opportunity and I get to hang out with some of those guys this afternoon and tomorrow we're working, uh, teaching a class for MAFC Metro Atlanta firefighter conference. And they're here in, in my neck of the woods. So I'm going to show them some things. We're going to try to go to a Braves game, nice. but to have the opportunity to hang out with those guys and to, to talk shop and, and do the things that we do is so much fun. It's so, like you said, it's infectious to have the like-minded individuals around you. Then to the curse side of things, not everything's always, you know, sunshine and roses when you're at work and you're doing those things. So sometimes you come back and you, you see the negativity that may be there. You see the, the difficulties that you're facing. It, it makes you, like you said, it makes you want to consider, or the, the gentleman the other night said, you, you consider, do I want to be here still right. sometimes? Mm -hmm. And, and so it's tough. It's, it's, you get to have, you get the highs and the lows of it. So the culture of a, a thriving organization can make other opportunities or other organizations that you're a part of seem less appealing. What man, I I get it, and it and that that right there is what everybody's seeking. They're seeking that in between of how you take something that's not so great and make it great. Like what is the recipe, right? And, and whatever that recipe is, there are parts of that recipe that have to be thrown into the bowl and mixed around. However, and, and I'd love your take on this too, obviously, but it's hard work. It's extremely hard work. It, it takes, takes work. Yes. It, well, it takes management. It takes leadership. It takes the difficult tasks in order to build a culture, um, an, a, a, an effective culture, if you will. Yeah. Well, um, mm -hmm. Go ahead. And I think that's where people struggle. They don't want to put in the work. Amen. They want to just be a part of the end result. That's it, right? Let's ride the coattails of the work that's been done. And then exactly. we, we want to be a contributing member once all the hard work is done. I, I, I think that that is such a big part of the issue of culture when we talk about it in the fire service is so many people aren't willing to put in those endless, countless, difficult hours to make a good culture, but they want to be a part of it. And I don't know how we fix that. I don't know if we can. I don't know if what the recipe is. I do know that it takes motivation. It takes hard decision-making. It takes, uh, it takes uh, I, it, it's so much to get there. Right. You were talking and, and this parallels it. Right. You were talking before, like you, it's in your today. You're going to training. You got some of your guys that are going to be down there. This is in your backyard. You want to take them to a Braves game. So on. when these guys come and you have the ability to hang with them like you do, what does that do selfishly for you? What's your selfish take from it? Because I have everybody has their selfish take because we need that in order to be better. It, you need that time tonight with your guys so that when you go home tomorrow or whatever it is, you're you're in a good place at home. You're in a good place in the firehouse. So what what is that? What do those guys do for you that selfishly motivates Jeremy Mathis? So I think it, they provide validation um, when you have conversations with them, and and we know that we're doing good things. We know that we're scheduling uh, conferences and teaching classes, and we're getting the successes from the students who appreciate the material that we're showing them that take something back to theirs, having those conversations, you know, that's, it's validation. Mm. Um, that, that the work that you're putting in is worth it. Um, and I think that being around those group of guys, we all feel the same way after a successful class, we want to, you know, high five each other and go and have a good time and, and just 
that's it. Validation. Well, let me, but there's the other side of the coin of validation too, right? So I, I get it because all that hard work, that passion, that drive, that desire, time away from home, it validates everything you're doing, right? And so we need that, right? We do need validation. Everybody needs validation in their life. There's no doubt. I walked in FDIC and there was a tiller with my name on it. Like that's validation for me for the last five years that we worked our asses off to get to a place. Like everybody needs some sense of validation in their life, whether it's their marriage, their family, their you know organizations, the firehouse, whatever it is. We all need validation. There's no doubt about that. But sometimes validation can skew very differently, too, and we feel that we're not worthy of it as well, right? Uh, it's, that's exactly right. Um, imposter syndrome is yeah. huge. Talk about imposter that, syndrome. because I know you and I have spoken about it before. I know that's a very big topic with you, something that you, you have ideas and opinions about and so on. And I know Rob and I did a recording several months ago where we just talked about imposter syndrome a little bit, um, and that touched a lot of people. A lot of people reached out after that episode with things to say about it. Um, and so much, in fact, that we revisited it with another episode. So I'd love to kind of, you know, pick your brain on that and hear your take and, and, and stories about that, please. Sure. So just a little bit about it is I'm a, I'm a guy from a small town Georgia fire department who is going out and teaching at conferences across the country. You know, who am I? to be out there teaching this and, and imposter syndrome simply is not feeling uh, worthy, if you will, of the credit or the recognition that you're getting for the things that you're doing. Um, and I, again, I started with this saying that I'm a supporting cast member. I don't feel like I'm anyone important. And I think that's part of the imposter syndrome that, that's playing out in my life. But the reality is if you have a, a platform, if you have a message, if you're able to share something positive with someone else, then you do deserve to be in the conversation. You do deserve to be out there teaching and sharing uh, the message that you have. And so it, it is difficult to overcome. And even talking about this right now, it's like, you know, who's this guy talking to Jeremy Donks, National Fire Radio? But yeah, but who am I? Right. Like we can we can all go down these roads. Right. Because like five years ago, I was just a small town guy. I'm still a small town guy from a volunteer fire department, almost 30 years in the fire service. But I felt that I had something con to contribute. And I still struggle with imposter syndrome as well at times that I find myself in circles that I probably I don't know. Do I belong there? I don't know. But I've come to recognize and realize that I do bring something to the table. And, you know, and I don't I don't know exactly what that is, whether it's facilitating the conversation, whether it's getting the conversation going, whether it's, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't particularly know why or where I fit in, but I just do. And I've come to realize I do. But you're right, though, man, like there is plenty of room for all of us to to feel a little bit different about, you know, do we belong in the room? Do we belong in the circle? Do we? But I love your message, though. It's that like whether you, you could struggle with that and you probably always struggle with it, right? But at the end of the mm -hmm. day, do you have something positive to bring forth? Do you have something to give back? Is it authentic? Is it true? Is it coming from the heart of who you are with no expectation of receiving anything in return? Like I think when you're genuine and you have character and integrity, your message belongs and, and you belong in those circles. I, I firmly believe that. What are your thoughts? I agree. It, it, I agree with that completely. If you're paying reverence to the guys who came before, if you're the ones that are there, uh, we were sitting uh, in a conference down in Pensacola, Devin Craig and I, um, and we're looking around the room and the guys that came and sat at the table with us and started just having genuine conversations. It's like, holy cow. Yeah. This guy led the rescue effort for the world trade center collapse. This, yeah. you know, it, it John Norman. And mm -hmm. so these different, these different things, it's like, holy cow, how did we get here? And and that sometimes leads into the imposter syndrome. But then when you turn around and they, they come to you and they say, Hey, we see what you're doing and you're doing good things. That again, leads to the validation aspect of it. And, and all of it is because of having that genuine conversation having the genuine message and just being the true person to yourself and, and to what you believe in i believe in that um i think a lot of people struggle with this um but i 
I think too that you know we have a a fire service that's built on the pillars of those that come before us, and I think that that comes in all shapes and sizes. And you and I are students of the fire service; we can name probably hundreds of guys that we recognize their names. We know some, most of their contributions or what they've done. And when you when you think about that, you know, it's like there's no way I can be con- considered or be a part of that network. And in fact, the only way those individuals got there is because of others that have helped them get there, right? None of us do this alone, right? I mean, you're sure. not you're not alone in your mission. You're not a, you're not alone in the firehouse. You're not alone at your home. You're not alone with fast fast rescue. You have teams in that quote unquote support system that we talked about earlier that allow us to do what we do. I think sometimes it's just hard for us to uh, agree that, you know, or, or accept some success or, or um, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to find the right word for it. Um, but, you know, it's hard for us sometimes. Modesty in the fire service is big. We're all very modest in, in, I mean, we all have egos on the fire ground. We're all alphas. There's no doubt. Um, you know, that I think is what the fire service needs are people that are out there in front willing to make decisions and, and hustle and all of that. And that's usually an A personality, right? But we're all still very humble when it comes to self-recognition. I mean, you think about how many guys that are, uh, you know, get medals on medal day and things like that. And none of them want to, most of them don't want anything to do with it. So, so something that just sparked a light, please, um, the, the guys that are successful, the guys that are doing, getting the medals for making the grab or whatever the, the situation may be, there were people that were doing their jobs to, in order to affect that. That's right. To happen. That's right. Uh, if you cannot do great things, do small things in a great way. <laughs> so, if, hold on. If you, hold on. If you can't do. If great you, things do small things in a great way go ahead keep going so it, it, every person that was that happened to be on that scene that happened to be there for uh, the rescue or the great stop or whatever the situation may be they all played a role they may not have been the one who grabbed the victim or was on the nozzle but if they weren't taking care of the responsibilities that they had, then the end result would have been different or could have been different. So it's important that we all are doing what we're supposed to do and playing our part. I agree. And I, and I think along that journey is recognizing that your contribution matters and, and whatever that contribution is, if you're doing it again, genuinely, you're doing it effectively, um, you know, and so on, then you're a part of that equation. And what comes with that, whether it's recognition, whether it's sitting in a room with people that you can never imagine that you would call friends or, or be in a conversation with, sometimes we need to just sit back and enjoy the ride too. And, and you know, when I, I've come to learn that, you know, every once in a while I'm supposed to enjoy this, you know? That's I'm, right. I'm supposed to sit back a little bit and have a smile and, and maybe share a drink or a conversation or a laugh or a cigar or whatever it is, sit back and enjoy, take, take that enjoyment you have in life and, and maybe just sit back a little bit and allow yourself a few minutes of just, I'm okay. This is good. I deserve this. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's a hard conversation is when you, you have that conversation of, I deserve this. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's one of the things that I have struggled with is Mm. to, is to sit back and say, Hey, you've done a good job. Yeah. Take advantage of this opportunity. Um, but it, it is difficult to do, but you're right. You have to take the the wins and let them be wins and, <sighs> and not focus so much on, you know, the, the challenges that you faced prior to. You know, even, you know, athletes, right? They win the Stanley Cup. They party that night and the next day they're back at it. Right. But they, but they allowed themselves to celebrate and, and appreciate all the hard work that went into that long hockey season to win the cup only to go back to work the next day. But they allowed themselves after a valiant effort of winning that cup, they're allowed to celebrate and, and focus on what it looked like of how they got there. Right. Because I think if we don't take the time to recognize 
the struggle, recognize the hard work, and we're just constantly head down and we don't recognize or take a time to take a deep breath and recognize all the hard work and the sacrifices we make for where we are, I don't think we're ever going to get anywhere further. I think it's important to recognize the hard work and sacrifices you make every once in a while so that you can refocus. I think that that is, that's important. And, um, you know, I know for you with six kids and a, and a beautiful wife, it's important for you to focus because every, all the hard work you're doing not only is satisfying for you and making you a better person, but it's also making your family better. Completely true. Every, every bit of, of the journey, uh, benefits all of us. So it really does. Um, I couldn't do it without each one of them and they understand, you know, the things that we're doing is making a difference. They understand the things that I'm, I'm looking to do is to benefit all of us in the end. And that's why they are supportive and that's why they understand, you know, if they're picking me up at the airport at 1030 at night or, or whatever the situation may be. So they, they get it and they know, uh, that I'm there for them, even if I'm, on a phone call or a FaceTime or whatever the case may be. And I've got people who uh, are in my network that I can call at a, at a moment's notice that'll be there to help as well. It's a good feeling to have really is. 100%. And I think that's part of the success of it too. Right. And, and I don't think we look at it that way, but when you have the ability to pick up your phone and call somebody and somebody's going to pick up on that first or second ring because you're calling them regardless of the time of day or what you need, then you're doing something right. That means somebody's in. Somebody's bought into you. Somebody believes in you. And uh, and that goes to probably your demeanor, your hard work, your success, and, uh, you know, and doing it right. And um, that's part of that success. And we need to appreciate those people as much as we need to sit back and look at ourselves and and appreciate the, the hard work and, and uh, sacrifices we make for ourselves. We need to look at that of others, too, and also promote the others around us. It's super important. I couldn't agree with you more. Jeremy, what's next for you, brother? I mean, what do you got? So we're winding down. What's next for Jeremy Mathis? We got a lot of travel. We got more conferences. We're blowing up Fast Rescue. Like, what's cooking? So we got, we're got. we all over the place. We're booked <laughs> out through 1st of, of 2024. Um, so it just it's an awesome time to be a part of Fast Rescue. We've got all kinds of events, conferences, classes going on. Um heading out today like i said to go to mafsi and teach tomorrow uh then graduation next week for for one of the girls fantastic congratulations it's awesome thank you yeah thank you very much week after that we're taking it taking it down a little bit we're going to take a break go to florida with the family and have a little beach vacation so enjoy that it's well well deserved brother well deserved you work so that you can provide things like that for them so and that's what we're going to do so after next week, you know, just put it on pause for a minute and enjoy time with them. Was that easy and for you to do? It is not yeah. easy for me to do. <laughs> so. I thought you were going down. <laughs> you threw that knot in there right, right at the last yeah, it second. Is, it is not easy to do. Um, to, you feel like if you're at, back into the imposter syndrome to earn my spot, I feel like I got to work. And yeah to take a break and, and to be able to step away, which, you know, Eric is very uh, understanding and he wants you to be able to do that. Yeah. But to be able to take that break is tough. I get it. Um, I get because it. it means that someone else is picking up your slack. So. Yeah. Well, you know what? Sometimes we got to do it. Sometimes we need somebody to do that for us. And so we can recharge and you can connect with the people that are making you do what you do. Uh, and, you know, and making you better. So I love it, man. That's enjoy, right. enjoy that beach. Put some sand between your toes, man, and uh, just enjoy time with your family because you'll come back bigger and better from it. I'm sure. So, brother, more. yeah. Well, listen, man. What a what a fun conversation today. I truly appreciate you joining me. Um, you know, this was uh, our second take. The first take I had to cancel on you, which I hate doing. Uh, every once in a while, scheduling is uh, becomes difficult. And I know that if anybody understands it's you, especially with a house full of women uh, and kids and so on, uh, that, that screwed up my world. Uh, but, hey, you know, things happen for a reason. And uh, I think to this morning was just a fantastic conversation, man. It was nice to get to know you a little bit more. Um, I think your message is going to resonate with a lot of people today. I really do, man. I appreciate you joining me, truly. 
Well, I appreciate the opportunity. I've, I've truly enjoyed the conversation. I was a little nervous when we got started, but it ended up flowing well, and I, th- I believe. I got you, man. No worries. No worries at all. So I appreciate you, Jeremy. Thank you very much. Um, if people want to reach out, where can they find you? They want to talk about, um, you know, anything that resonated with them from the show or more, you know, or, or also Fast Rescue Solutions. I know you guys have been doing just such a great job on social and educating people about who you guys are, being out at all these conferences. But, I mean, it really is a game-changing uh, device, the Fastboard, as well as the incredible culture that goes along with it. Um, where can people find you and, and talk to you about that a little bit further? So, yeah, I'm on, on social media, Facebook, Instagram, all of that. Uh, also, jeremy.mathisfastrescuesolutions.com. Um, so anything like that, I'm easily accessible. So I love it. Sure, reach out. I'd love to have a conversation with anybody. It's cool. I knew you would. So that's why I brought that up. Thank you, Jeremy, again, for joining me today. Stay right here. I'm just going to sign off the podcast. I'm going to come right back to you, okay? Yes, sir. Great. Thanks again. Everyone, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Jeremy Mathis, captain out of Covington, Georgia, fire department, as well as the director of training for Fast Rescue Solutions. What a fantastic conversation from family and faith to the fire ground, to the firehouse, and everything in between. This is a guy that's really dialed in and loving life, and he's got a great support network. And I'm going to leave you with this quote. When I talk about the job, right, when I when I end this podcast, I always talk about take this conversation, take it back to the firehouse and talk about it because we make the job better. A quote that Jeremy said today that I wrote down, underlined, circled, and put stars around it. If you can't do great things, do small things in a great way. And I'm going to leave you with that. Take it back to the firehouse and share that because that's a very powerful message Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.